Welcome to Cafe Radio, a collaboration between the Office of Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment, the Congressional Award Foundation, and Elliott Hine Middle School in Washington, D.C. This podcast, featuring 8th grade students from Elliott Hine Middle School Media Program, is intended to help guide D.C. students through the opportunities the Congressional Award Program offers and provide information on how to explore the Congressional Award Program's pathways to career goals. And now, here's your host, Dr. Martez Hammonds. Grand day, everyone, and welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, I am Dr. Martez Hammonds, Chief Diversity Officer at Purdue University, Fort Wayne, and a Congressional Award Advisor. And today, I'm just one of your co-hosts. And I'm Ailey Johnson. And I am Avery Gamble. We're students at Elliott High Middle School and your co-host today. Yes, and I am so excited to have both Ailey and Avery as co-hosts today. So these are students at Elliott High Middle School. How's school going for you all right about now? Well, it's going pretty good for me. I seem to be passing so far, which is good. I mean, I have A's, so I'm doing fine. Hey, passing A's, doing fine. All of that is good because you know what? It sounds like the making of two amazing Congressional Award gold medalists. Hey, I love it when I hear what I hear. So listen, today we're talking about technology and how it shapes culture with none other than our guest, Ms. Victoria Willingham. So Ms. Victoria Willingham used to live in maybe like Kansas City, Missouri or somewhere in that area, but now has relocated right here to Washington, D.C. And so everyone of our listeners, we need to welcome her here to the great city. Ms. Willingham serves as an attorney working in regulatory compliance at the ride-sharing company, Lyft. And we are so excited to have you here today, Ms. Willingham. Yes, thank you so much. That means Ms. Willingham helps tech companies follow the rules by overseeing product development efforts. She identifies gaps and formulates solutions to create policies and procedures. Ms. Willingham is also interested in how she can use her legal training and tech experience to address policy issues related to how our users consume content and ways to help products evolve. Welcome to Cafe Radio, Ms. Willingham. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Again, I'm happy to be here with you all. How did you become interested in tech? You know, when I think about it, I think there's several factors. I've always been really fascinated with innovation. So I grew up around a lot of entrepreneurs and creatives and innovation was kind of always at the forefront for me. And so when I think about getting into tech, I think that that was kind of a factor overall. And then just as I went through my education process and all those types of things, tech was just something that was emerging so quickly, probably quicker than it ever had in in history. And so just looking into career pathways on that front was was something that was interesting to me just because it was an evolving sort of space and industry. So for anyone who doesn't know how to get involved in technical things, what would be a good place for them to start? I would say the opportunities are endless and it definitely depends on one's interest, but I am a proponent of cultivating the things that you're good at and everything else kind of falling into place. And so I would say, generally speaking, anyone who is interested in tech could probably find their niche 
wherever they are. So for example, I'm in on the law and legal side of things, but there are so many cross-functional pathways where people are in tech. So if someone is interested in tax, if they're interested in social justice issues, if they're interested in pretty much anything, they can probably find their space within the industry. And so if I'm looking at students who are interested, again, like I said, it depends on one's interest. And so if one is interested in sort of the science part of it, I think that looking at classes that are related to whatever industry within tech that you're interested in is important. So if you're into computer science or anything like that, then there are so many pathways for engineers and people on on that front. But again, like I said, for someone like me or someone who may be interested in more liberal arts or other things that may be more creative, there's always space for that. And so again, I think the first part as a student is to really hone in on what you're good at and what your interests are, what your passions are as you go through your education. And then at that point, make the decision and figure out how you can kind of transition into that space if it doesn't necessarily seem like a cookie cutter way of going into the tech space. Absolutely. So let's dig a little deeper on your passions, your interests, and the intersection or intersection, if you will, between both technology and law, two of your passions, I'm assuming, right? Was it difficult to marry those two? And then not only was it difficult to marry those two, how did you come to pursue law? Yeah, I would say that it wasn't necessarily difficult to marry the two, but maybe unexpected. Mm. And so with that, I would say that certain fields and law being one of them, they tend to be very traditional or have certain pathways that individuals who undertake those studies will go in one of a few paths. So if you're a lawyer, historically, one would say, okay, I go to law school, I go into public service, or I go to law school and I go into a small or large law firm, or I go into government, things like that. And so I think that the natural sort of marriage of the two isn't, wasn't necessarily apparent. However, Sort of how I mentioned earlier how tech has evolved so quickly, particularly in my young adulthood, so many issues and novelties within the space have emerged where lawyers and people who have law backgrounds are just absolutely necessary, both on the proactive side. So when it's being proponents for changing policies or for creating pathways, and then on the reactive side, when maybe legislators, regulators have created certain rules or regulations or laws, and then we have to apply those to the rules and regulations of the companies in order to be compliant with jurisdictions or be compliant with whatever the industry is in. So it would depend across industries. And so with that, with me and how I pursue laws, very much how I mentioned earlier, I really was, I would say, a very self-aware young adult and young person in in high school and college. And I I really explored a lot and I noticed the things that I was sort of drawn to. And so I was always speaking or actually as part of my congressional word, I was acting, I was always in debate and those types of things. And so I was really in the space that was kind of related to 
something that you would say an attorney would be good at, if you will. And I also, in the back of my mind, because I was a creative, I also knew that I wanted to be in a career where it could kind of apply across industries. And so I didn't want to be sort of subject to this is the only thing that I could do. And so it actually quite frankly worked out. But I would say that that was kind of my approach back then. And so just because I was good at those types of things, always writing, like I was the editor of the middle school newspaper. I was the editor of the the high school yearbook. And so all of those things, writing and speaking and engaging with people and having this this spirit of service, all those things really did kind of go into what made me want to pursue law and and follow that through. As technology develops, how do you see it shifting our culture or maybe even change your professional position? So I would say that technology is not going anywhere. I would say, I would venture to say that you all are part of the, the generation that doesn't know much different when it comes to technology and and how we rely on it as a people and as a society. And so in terms of how it develops and how I see it shifting culture, I think that we will continue to sort of evolve and rely on technology. If you think about it, it really does, for lack of a better term, dictate how we operate on a daily basis. And so whether it's how we live, like where we want to go eat, if we want to go in or out, if we want to buy groceries, we can go on an app. If we want to, if we want food delivered to us, we can go on an app. If we want to go somewhere, we decide, do we want to drive? Do you want to take the train or do we want to use a ride share? So all these different things are part of our daily decision-making and the way in which we live. And so I believe that it will continue to evolve in that way. And I do think that technology outside of just our typical ways in which we interact on a daily basis, it will continue to evolve in a way that really like helps some of the biggest issues that we have, whether it's health issues, whether it's access issues, all these different things. It really will shape how we, not only how we think and behave, but really solve some of the issues that we have that are matters of public policy that are really some of the most pertinent things that we all deal with on a daily basis. Ms. Willingham, how do you come to be involved with the Congressional Award? So I was in high school and a fun fact about my experience with the Congressional Award was that I was encouraged by some of my teachers and one of my actual favorite teachers when I was in high school. But I was actually the first person in my school to do it alongside one of my friends and classmates. And so that was something that was a really cool experience and also a kind of scary experience just because neither one of us had done it before and we didn't know anyone else who had. And so we kind of charted our own path. But I would say that that led to us really being able to make the experience our own and be creative and things like that. And so that's how I got involved, just was encouraged by a teacher and then kind of really took the initiative based on being the first person to be able to do it at my school. Awesome. So it is evident that you are a trendsetter in your own light, right? That you, as you put it, a self-aware young person, uh, a young adult being the editor of your middle school newspaper, as well as the editor of your high school yearbook. So talk to those individuals that may have not had or do not currently have, especially in our D.C. area, that type of motivation or that type of zeal as of right now to really pursue the Congressional Award and maybe share with them the importance, if you will, of being well-rounded and completing those activities in our four areas, volunteer public service, personal development, physical fitness, 
and expedition exploration? Absolutely. I would say, honestly, like the the experience and the requirements within the Congressional Award Program are ones that translate directly into all other areas of life and all other stages of life. And so when you think about the categories that were listed, you know, volunteering public service, that's something that we all can can do in our own way and we all have something that we can offer to society. And so just looking at, like I said, the, the public service, the personal development, those are all components of just being a well-rounded individual. And those are things that no one can take from you. Um, the knowledge that you have, the the drive, the perseverance, those are things that that, like I said, they definitely persist throughout the various stages of life. So if you look at the time in which one can participate in the congressional award, it's during their young adulthood. And those are probably during the most pertinent years of education. And so then after that, most likely one would go into their career and then the things that follow that. And all of those things, this balancing act is how we all kind of have to navigate life. And so what more of a gift than to be able to have this sort of microcosm to have that experience while you're young and while you have advisors and people within the community who are willing to help you as best as they can and to really cultivate your interests and sort of how I mentioned earlier, just have the opportunity to make it your own. And so that's one of the things that I like about the Congressional Award Program is that you have the opportunity to, to chart your own path and so to really like dive into what are my interests? What am I good at? How can I make a difference? And look at all those from an internal perspective, but also how you can impact the community and those around you. So when going to different interviews for jobs and such, has the Congressional Award Gold Medal set you apart from other people? That's an excellent question. And I think that's something that is probably at the forefront of a lot of young people's minds when it's like, okay, I'm doing this and I, you know, I'm putting in all this effort, but how will this really help me? Like, is this really something that's worth my while? And I think it is based on the points that I just mentioned, but I will also say when it comes to interviews and different things like that, it definitely is something that I still include on my resume. And it is something that does come up as a conversation topic. I will say right when I received the award, right after that, I participated in a scholarship pageant. And a part of the pageant requirements were to sort of have different elements of volunteer service, have a certain GPA, all these different things. And the Congressional Award helped me on that rubric. I was able to not only do well, but I actually won that pageant. And it was noted. And, and that's how I know that. And so I say that to say that absolutely it helps in those spaces if you if you are someone who finishes it while you are in your maybe secondary or formal education. But then also as a as a, a person coming up through one's career, it definitely is a conversation topic. And for what it's worth, I think if I think about it, the it comes up during discussions about service. And so that's one of the things that I think is like so big about it because of the amount of hours that one can do when like balancing school and balancing extracurriculars and all those types of things. And so if you are someone who continues to have that sort of passion for service or at least commitment to service, then it's something that comes up and you're able to like track that. So to kind of wrap the response up to you, I would say that Congressional Award helped like really, really infuse my passion for service. And I have done lots and lots of service 
throughout my young adulthood up until this point. And without that sort of precedent set, I don't know that I would have done as much and been able to sort of document it and really understand its impact without the experience that I had through the award program. Did your congressional award journey teach you any skills that you still use today? Absolutely, absolutely. If nothing else, I would say balancing. And so that's something that we all can use as just people living this life. I would also say just the skill set of perseverance. I, I think that's something that we we all can use and, and do so to have an end goal in mind and then sort of work backwards. That's something that applies in one's personal life, but then also in one's career. So if you have a problem while you're at work and you need to solve it and maybe nobody's ever heard of it, which happens a lot in my industry, I will say nobody's ever heard of this issue or, you know, no one knows where to start. So if if I have a goal in mind, like I know this is the, maybe the legal requirement or maybe I know this is the company's goal, then I can work backwards and, and kind of fill in all the parts up until that point. And so absolutely, the, the congressional war is definitely exactly how that works on, on a daily basis in other areas. So, um, you know, you had the opportunity in 2008 to leave your hometown and come to D.C. then to uh, actually receive your Congressional Gold Medal. So if you don't mind, tell our young people about that opportunity, because some of them may not know that uh, we actually invite our gold medalists to D.C. Uh, so what was that like? Oh, it was it was incredible. And when I think about it, I think that was part of the incentive to to kind of finish everything was to get the opportunity to come to D.C. And for someone like me, my first time in D.C. was when I was in fifth grade. We came on a class trip and I absolutely loved my time in D.C. and, and subsequently came different times. But to come that time was just so monumental. And then all of our families were able to come and really celebrate with us. And so I think just having that time to to come and to celebrate all the hard work from all the service and all the personal development, but then also to learn about the, the city, learn about the history of our country and all those types of things were really good experiences. And then on top of that, I would say just to be able to be in the space with all the other young people from all across the country, from different places that you may not have ever been to be able to meet them and to congregate and to learn the different activities that they participated in while completing the the award was also really cool and then too we i know we got a, the opportunity to meet some some college students who were able to give some advice as well so all of those types of things in one week experience was just amazing and i wouldn't have traded it for anything and and it was definitely one of the highlights of my high school experience Absolutely. So Ailey and Avery, you both live in D.C., right? And so as you live in D.C., have you had the opportunity to uh, have you visit the White House before? I have before. We had an elementary field trip. It was pretty fun. I got to meet the president. And honestly, it was one of the greatest experiences in my life. Awesome. Ailey. Have you been to the White House or even the Capitol, maybe? Um, I've never been inside of the White House or the Capitol, but I've seen them. Okay. But All right. never had that chance to go into school. Yeah. Uh, the other question is, uh, have you met your uh, representative, your con congressional representative before? Like, literally met them before? Ms. Yeah, yeah. Eleanor Holmes-Norton? Yes. Yes, I actually interviewed her in sixth grade. 
Look at you. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. What about you, Avery? Uh, no, I do not recall at all. I'm sorry. I don't know. There's nothing to be sorry about. You want to know why? Because many of our D.C. residents and students that live in D.C. don't always have the opportunity to go in those places and spaces to meet those important people. And so as you go along and as you earn your bronze, silver and gold certificate, your bronze, silver and gold medals, you do in- interact and engage with a lot of our congressional uh, members, right? Um, you do have the opportunity opportunity to also go into some of those secret hiding places and some of those places that even some of the tourists don't even get uh, opportunities to to visit and see because you're connected to the congressional award. So that's just another benefit, just another perk of being a part of this great program. So what I want to just ask you a uh, last question, Victoria, is, you know, some some folks even in D.C. have never heard of the congressional award program. Right. Uh, Some folks across the nation haven't heard of it. Right. And I know you talked about how, you know, when you were introduced to it, you were like, what? Okay, there's some incentives. Okay, let's make it happen. So what would you say to that person, that student? And uh, what would you do or what would you want them to know that you took away from this experience? And what information, you know, at this time, just give them information that you're like, hey, I want them to know. Sure. I would say that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity where you get to really take the time to develop as an individual as well as impact your community simultaneously. And the things that you just mentioned about meeting your government officials and different things like that, those are also really amazing experiences. And you never know what that can lead to in terms of just your interest as a young person. Like maybe you are interested in potentially pursuing a government type role, or maybe you're interested in this and that. And you you have the amount of exposure and the, the level of support from your community when you do this type of award. And people really do lean into helping individuals, particularly young people. And that's something actually, I think just generally, I'd like to say that there's an advantage to being a young person who is really trying to do something positive. And so I think it's important as young people to kind of think about that and really hone in on that and use it to your advantage. And so when it comes to that, I just think that the Congressional Gold Medal Award definitely helps aid in that type of pursuit. But then also it just really is a good experience all around. And I, like I said, throughout this time, like I couldn't like ask for a different experience. I'm so glad that I was able to do it. And even now for what it's worth, I'm still talking about it 13 years later. So it's it's definitely something that I recommend for any young person who is just trying to be positive, trying to to sort of evolve as a young person, but then also just really wanting to make a difference. Absolutely. Ms. William, talk to us about your interest in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So my interest in diversity, equity, and inclusion, I would say, is something that is just a part of my overall interest as a as a person. Like it, it translates into my career, but it's something that I think as an industry and as a space, it has definitely evolved in, in the past several years. But it is something that I have always kind of maybe had at the forefront of my thoughts before it was kind of named, if you will. And so for me now, particularly, I think that it means 
either supporting spaces or creating spaces where everyone can operate as themselves and in their own truths. And we can all work in a way that is productive and that eliminates biases and perpetuates the most common good. And so whatever that looks like, it, it can change depending on the scenario. But I I look at myself as an advocate for just making sure that we all can be heard and that we can eliminate issues that may marginalize some of us historically or could in, in the future. What is the importance of racial, cultural, and gender representation in both technology and legal fields? So those three things are important across the board. I would say in both technology and the legal field, it's quite interesting how they interplay with one another. And so just if you take both of them or together, or if you get them separately, the percentages of people who represent certain racial groups, certain cultures, or certain genders is small. And so I think that it is important for people like me who may be in the industries to perpetuate and to be proponents for getting other people into the industry. And then also uh, when it comes to the law in particular, I think that the law is something that operates off of precedent and is something that can evolve a little bit quicker than it does. And so what I would say is when it comes to representation, it's up to the people who sit at these spaces and allies and all those types of things to really do the best that they can to to move the needle forward. And so and not just up to a particular group, but it's up to all of us to work for the people who fall at these groups, I should say, and follow these spaces, I should say. And so with that, I think representation is key. Uh, when it comes to technology and how we talked about earlier, how it really does shape the environments in which we live, when we have proper representation, we are able to avoid issues that may surface later, but then we're also able to address issues that come up on a in an easier manner. And so I look at that and I say, for example, when it comes to like policy or when it comes to maybe litigation or things that like are like just huge headlines in the news, those issues they have to be addressed in a certain way. And so people like me who are in these companies or who are in these nonprofits or whatever, we have to be able to voice our thoughts and voice how we can see these things changing. And so it's so important that we're there. Otherwise, if we're not there, then we we run the risk of similar issues happening again, or we run the risk of just not really cultivating a space or a platform or a product where everybody can feel safe and they can feel like they can use these products. And that's something that like, going back to like, the novel issues that come up in legal legally, with innovation and technology, it moves so fast sometimes hmm. that nobody would be able to kind of capture the issues that may come up. And so when you look at racial justice and all those types of things, those are things that matter in technology and how we approach certain communities and who is building out these products. Who are our engineers? How do they code? Are they they're coming from this one type of school, this one type of community? So we need people who come from all these types of communities so that we can 
all merge together and really create something that we all can use and all feel safe and all feel welcomed. Absolutely, Victoria. When you listen, all diversity, equity, inclusion, as a chief diversity officer, all of that was music to my ears. So only thing you have to do is go visit the website, everybody www.congressionalaward.org will get you all your answers, right? They'll get you all your answers to your questions. You can sign up right there, www.congressionalaward.org, okay? So make sure you do just that. Ms. Willingham, thank you, thank you, thank you for being our guest on our show today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I have enjoyed every minute of it. And thanks to everyone for listening to Cafe Radio. I'm Ailey Johnson. I am Avery Gamble. And I'm Dr. Martez Hammonds. Have a great day. You've been listening to Cafe Radio, hosted by Dr. Martez Hammonds, Chief Diversity Officer at Purdue University in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The Radio Cafe podcast is a collaboration between the Office of Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment, the Congressional Award Foundation, and students from the Elliott Hine Middle School Media Program, facilitated by Mandrell Burks. For more information about the Congressional Award Foundation, visit congressionalaward.org.